it's good to be able to just go back into God's word this morning. Uh, in fact, I must con- make a confession that when I originally planned the series, I didn't expect uh, to uh, stretch it as much as it has been stretched. But I found as I kept meditating in this, and uh, some of you have been very kind enough to give me feedback about how this has been helpful. So I'm breaking it up into chunks, uh, three at a time, four at a time, and uh, just sharing these uh, series with you. And uh, honestly, yesterday when we restarted after a week's break, I thought I would uh, finish it this week. But this morning when I sat down to look at the story of uh, Elijah again, uh, I was reminded of passages that I haven't really actually spoken from. And I thought it would be unfair both to Elijah, both to Elijah's story, probably unfair to you as well, not to look at the whole story. So this morning and tomorrow morning, I'm going to look at two portions of Elijah's story that I've never really dug into before or shared from. I have spoken from Elijah's life on a few occasions, but these are two chapters that I've not really looked at. So uh, please bear with me as we uh, stretch the series a little longer. Uh, just to, by way of reminder, uh, yesterday we looked at how uh, he was given a fresh assignment after God had lifted his head. And after God had set him back on track, uh, we saw how Elijah now is called to look forward, as indeed we are in Philippians 3, uh, to press on to the uh, upward prize of God, the upward call of God uh, in in, in Christ. And we see, therefore, how God gives us, gives him these assignments by, in the way that uh, first he's, he's told to go and anoint Uh, Elisha. And then we see how Elisha receives this assignment from God. And we looked at a few aspects of receiving assignments from God. They are costly, they can be challenging, but oh, they are so joyful as well. Uh, Someone said many years ago, the best place to be is in the center of God's plan for your life. God has an overarching plan for all of us. It's the same for all of us. God wants us to be happy in Christ. He wants us to rejoice forevermore. He wants us to live according to the world. But there are some unique assignments that God gives us. And for our work is sometimes part of that uh, unique uh, assignment. And within the work also, things that God gives us, that becomes part of um, God. God's assignment to us. And we saw how Jesus Christ finished the assignment that he had been given. And one point I missed uh, uh, sharing yesterday in in, and in passing, I want to quickly mention this, is that it is the finished assignment of Jesus that gives us the power to do our assignments in God. Okay, not only is Jesus our example of how we are to finish well, but because Jesus finished well, we now have grace from God to finish our assignments well. So as God changes our route map sometimes, as God gives us new challenges, new responsibilities, every responsibility, every opportunity that comes to serve comes from God. We are called to work as unto the Lord in Colossians chapter 3. And as we work, we can expect to finish well because Christ finished well and he has given us his power. This morning, we're going to quickly move forward in our series as we look at this episode, which I've called Just Go Again, because you'll notice in this passage in 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 17 to 21, 
down at the word of God comes to Elijah the Tishbite where God says to him go down to meet Ahab king of Israel who rules in Samaria he was still the king and Jezebel was still his wife and but and but now uh, in in chapter 21 uh, Jezebel and uh, uh, Ahab had plotted uh, Ahab liked the vineyard that belonged to a man called Naboth and uh, he uh, asked him for it but Naboth uh, refused to give it to him and then Jezebel very uh, manipulatively and deceitfully uh, and in a very evil way goes about getting that vineyard for Ahab who is sulking and and there is an there is a lot to learn from those uh, wrong ways as well but we are tracking the story of Elijah a man like us so we hear now with Elijah uh, being spoken to by God and this is what God is uh, giving him this is a message that he has to go and give to uh, uh, to Ahab the king uh, have you not murdered a man and seized his property this is what the Lord says in the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood dogs will lick up your blood yes yours it's not a very nice message it's a, a challenging message to receive but it's also remember a very challenging message to give because the last time Ahab and Jezebel engaged with uh, Elijah was when Elijah got afraid and I'm thinking I'm imagining Elijah thinking as he hears this word from God what you want me to go again and Elijah has to overcome maybe the fear that he had earlier. Maybe he's already overcome it. We are not told. But either way, he's now armed with God's word. Reminds me of that story of David going against Goliath where David says to Goliath, you come with spear and javelin, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. And when, when, the, when we have the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, as Ephesians chapter 6 will tell us, we can fight this battle. So I want to suggest to you that uh, there are these patterns of going back in scripture. Moses, for example, after 40 years of having fled from Egypt, has to return to Egypt. The place of his fear, the place of his failure is where God is going to take him back and God is going to give him success over there. Similarly with Jonah, again a character we've been dipping in and out of in this series. He has to go back to Nineveh and deliver the message that he had tried to run away from. I observe this going back passage and it makes me wonder if there is one important lesson we need to learn. And that lesson is simply this, that God wants us to win in the place of previous defeat. God wants us to win in the place of previous def defeat. Where did you lose last time? Where did you fail last time? In what manner? It might not be the exact place. It might not be the exact same person. But I've observed in life that the issues that I struggle with keep coming back in my life over and over again that I cannot outrun those issues because God wants me to overcome. Think about habits sometimes that we have. Think about practices that are not pleasing to God. Uh, 
And we keep going over that and over that. I went through a phase of in my life when I sinned deliberately and consistently knowing it was wrong. I was a young man. I was, a, I was not married at the time. And, and as young people do foolish things, I was doing some foolish things as well. I was doing sinful things and I, and I would sin and ask God for forgiveness. I would sin and ask God for forgiveness. Went on for month after month until finally, by the grace of God, I came to a point of prayer and fasting and was able to see victory in that area where I had been defeated repeatedly, repeatedly. I want to ask us today. What is the area of failure or defeat or challenge or anxiety or worry or, or, or trouble that you are trying to run away from? You see, Elijah ran away from Ahab. He ran away from fearing Jezebel and Ahab. And God's going to take him back in this instance to the same person, to the... And he's got to have to face up to his fears. And this time God gives him victory. And I want to suggest to you that by the grace of God, because of the cross, because Jesus won the ultimate victory, as we heard the song this morning as well, that it is not I, but Christ who lives in me. And it is by Christ who lives in me because of my faith in his finished work of the cross that I can be an overcomer, that I can win, you can win. I have seen that in my life, and I believe you will as well. A second lesson that we will see uh, from, this from this chapter, really. It's really this chapter, but I'm just skimming through it to keep our devotions within um, the sort of target time of 14 to 15 minutes. Here's, a, here's the, how the passage goes on. Uh, to tell us that uh, the chapter goes on to tell us that there was never anyone like Ahab. This is after Elijah has delivered his painful message. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. That's how bad he was. That's how evil he was. And, and yet... If you know the passage, if you've read the passage, yet when he receives this message from Elijah, he repents. He asks God for forgiveness. And then God says this to Elijah. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day. But of course, uh, the judgment of God will come later. But here is a second lesson that I want us to grab hold of for our own application. As we've been following Elijah, a man just like us, and as we look at the way he, he engages with people, I wonder what might have gone through Elijah's mind when he read this. God, just now, you know, we agreed that he was the, he was the one who had done evil in your eyes. He sold himself to do evil, oh God. And you remember how Jonah is when God gives mercy to Nineveh. I knew you would do this and got angry and got upset. These are men just like us. And I wondered, although the story doesn't tell us, I wondered what might have gone through Elijah's mind when he heard this. How can you do this, God? 
This is an evil man and his wife, she has, she has urged this king and the nation is in trouble because of him, because they've gone after idols. How can you do this, God? And yet, friends, the amazing mercy of God that is new every morning. This mercy that we have in Jesus, I want us to consider. Consider it from a couple of quotes that I want to uh, bring to your attention. But here is the here is the point I want to make. Here is the point I want to make. Our worst sin is no match for the mercy of God. Our worst sin is no match for the mercy of God. Don't know what Elijah thought, but I know what God thinks. I know that his grace and his mercy triumphs over judgment. That God will be merciful for us in Christ. It was uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones who says, When a man truly sees himself, he knows nobody can say anything about him that is too bad. We know how bad we really are. We know the truth of Romans 3.23, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We know that's true for us. We know that when we, when we read the story of Ahab, we're not going, how, how, come you, you know, how are you treating him like that? How come you, you know, you're, you're allowing him to be that? I urge you to read the narratives of scripture in passages like this one. And what you will see consistently over and over again is the sheer mercy of God. It was Luther who said, if you see yourself as a little sinner, you will inevitably see Jesus as a little savior. How big, remember that, that, that woman who, who, who um, washed Jesus' feet with his tears and wiped him and Jesus went on to give the story and said uh, uh, to, to Simon the Pharisee, you see this woman, you think she's the worst, but actually she knows what it is to be forgiven because she knew how bad she was. She knew how bad she was and she therefore knows how precious God's forgiveness is. Knowing how bad we are makes more precious the goodness and mercy of God. So I want us to consider as well this morning, as we conclude, as we are urged in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. What are you confessing today? What are you praying for today? What are you asking God for today? What failures do you need to overcome by Him? But it is not going to be overcome by finding strength within ourselves. It can only be overcome by finding strength in God. But also it's going to be overcome by great gratitude. One of the things I, I'm learning to do is to remind myself daily of the gratitude I have for Jesus. I thought for a while about how I wanted to end each of my emails that I write so many of them so often. And I chose the one word gratefully now i'm grateful for the things that people are doing and i'm grateful for the responses people gave and i'm gra i'm grateful for 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 the engagements we have but for me that one word every time i write it also helps me consider jesus the one who has been merciful and as i write gratefully i look beyond the content of the email to the to the one whom we all serve that I, every time I write gratefully, I remind myself, you're also grateful for Jesus. 
I want to ask you to consider ways and means of how you can remind yourself. Or, and as we are grateful for mercy, that is one of the ways we will begin to overcome our areas of failure. I commend to you this morning, Jesus Christ, the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession. Consider Him. Pause to think of Him, for there is no one like Him. Merciful, majestic, mighty, and oh, so compassionate. May you know His love today deeper than you ever did before. God bless you.